live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of entertainment, so we're going to be talking some movies. We're going to be talking some TV. We definitely have a lot to talk about comics this week. Holy crap. New Comic Book Day is no joke today as we are recording February 23rd, but we definitely want to interact with you, so make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our links right there. We interact with everybody, even Coach Duffy. You can check out the T Public store where there's a sale going on. Last one of the month pad. Uh-huh. Last sale, we were moving a lot of units. Let's try doing that again because if you were sitting there going, man, I really want to get some ODPH swag. Now is the time. It's on sale. You have no excuse. Literally. None. So make sure to make a point to swing on over there. Also check out Parley Points. New blo- comics blog is dropping today too as well. The directory, the classifieds. I could keep on going on and on, but you came to hear some entertainment news. That's what we're going to do. So just odphpodcast.com. And always remember, use the hashtag odphpod. Let's talk some entertainment, shall we, Pad? Yeah. Kicking off this edition of the podcast, we have to recap the return mm-hmm. of the final countdown. Well, part two, anyway. Part three, actually, if I'm breaking my mind. Oh, it is part two. It's part two. Yeah, it's part two of three. See, this is what happens when The Walking Dead decides to mix everything up because they have now finally said that season 11 will be it. Well, I mean, they're calling it season 11, but it's like enough episodes to be two seasons. But eh, whatever. Right, because they're breaking them off in eight season or eight episodes runs. Yep. So this is now act two, which they've been doing the kind of weird spacing with everything. So it's been throwing me off a little bit. Yeah. But we are now seeing the return of... Daryl Dixon, played by the one only Norman Reedus, Melissa McBride as uh, Carol, obviously, yep, and Ma- uh, Maggie, played by Lauren Cohen. You, the core group is back. Yeah. Obviously, some new faces have been mixed in, and yeah. since we've seen them last, uh, there's been a lot of stuff going on with this group. Yeah, uh, definitely. The final countdown is going to be something to watch if you've been sticking with the show. Obviously, at this day and age, it's not as popular as it once was. Some interesting rumors the last couple of days, if you if you read into those, though. Break it down, shall we? Uh, so there are rumors in, well, I guess one, uh, Andrew Lincoln has been spotted in the Atlanta, Georgia area hmm. with one Daryl Dixon. Well, that makes sense. But what I would really be questioning about right now is, obviously, if you've been watching the show, Rick Grimes, played by Andrew Lincoln, has been gone from the show forever. For a few, it feels like five years at this point. Yeah, it feels like forever. Yeah. Because he's been doing this top secret movie project. Well, it's been in the works. Yes. I'm just going to call Allegedly. It, I'm just going to call it New Mutants 2. Because that's <laughs> the, like kind of the litigation that we're hearing like, just a little bit. Because this movie... That or he's or been filmed, D- uh, New Mutants 2, or if you're a video game fan, Duke Nukem Forever. Exactly. Like, hey. th- this project has been in the works for years, and this yeah. is why he's been off the show. It's, and the, whole reason, it's the whole reason they, quote-unquote, killed him off the main show. You know, he, that's how they announced it. And, he, and then you got to the episode, oh, he's not dead. He's he's leaving. And it's been that long since, and absolutely nothing. Yeah, we haven't heard anything. But Daryl Dixon has taken over as the main lead of the show. And obviously, Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan has been playing by his side as well, too. So there's still a lot of the characters that have been on the show for years that fans are still, you know, really resonating to and really kind of saying, okay, you know, I'm still with this story. I don't want to see yeah. how this ends. Which I will say, in this day and age, I'm very, I'm happily surprised to see it's going down like this. Kind of a little shock, too. I mean, they're getting their end, the end they want to the show, which I'm always happy with, just because there have been plenty of shows I've seen and my family has seen over the years where, like, they just cancel the show without reason or, you know, without announcing a reason, and they got a cliffhanger ending for the season, you know, and, and you just never find out what happens with it. I remember there was a show my mom and my sister watched where there was, it was like a medical drama show, like a CSI type. It wasn't CSI, but it was like a CSI type of show Mm -hmm. where 
it was in the medical examiner's room and you, one of the main characters walk in and, and said, what are you doing here? Gunshot dropped to the floor, blood pouring on the floor. You never actually saw who the shooter was. And then the show got canceled before you could find out. You know, I always enjoy it better when a show can get the ending they want and they can end on their own terms and it's not just, like, abruptly axed. Right. Because last time we saw this group, well, they had another mysterious group of starting to attack them. Yeah. The Reapers. And this is when things were getting a little crazy because anytime you're getting a cannon involved, yeah, it's going to get weird. Yeah. So let's not waste any more time. We're going to deep dive into the premiere of the mid-season run of The Walking Dead 11. Uh, so entitled No Way, No Other Way. So if you haven't watched yet and you don't want to be spoiled, we give you that for, fair warning right now. We put the timestamp in the notes so you don't get anything ruined for you because we care. We just don't want to be those people that are like ruining everything for everybody. There are enough of them on the internet. We don't want to be them. But if you're ready to deep dive into this episode, and I hope you are, we're going to give that countdown and go right into it. So that being said, in three, two, one, pad. What did you think? I thought it was a solid return. You know, it wasn't exactly a home run out of the park, but for their last episode was on October 10th of 2021. So it's been a hot minute since they've been on the uh, been on the air. You know, so thank you, AMC, for continuously running last week, the last previous episode before the new episode because it's been a while. I hadn't seen that episode in a while. I had totally forgotten what was on that episode. Uh, you know, so with it being a return, you know, it was it was a solid return. I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to. Sure. Because for me, I'm still with the story because I've I've gotten this far. Mm-hmm. I need to have that closure. There's still intriguing parts to it. Yeah, there's there's moments where I'm like, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, maybe, just maybe, they're going to capture some of that zombie magic. Yeah. And then there's moments where it's like, we have five people in a cave that's coming down around them, and they're all surrounded by thousands of zombies, and nobody gets bit, and everybody walks out. And so they all get the Legolas treatment, where they all come out spotless. Yeah. So when there's that kind of moments, I'm like, forget it, I'm out. But... This return, though, I thought was okay. It was gritty. Yeah, it was gritty. It had those tough moments. Uh, Maggie is slowly now becoming my favorite character because uh-huh. she is just losing in her mind. She lost it. And I'm okay with it because yeah. it makes sense storyline purpose. Yeah. Because now when they're dealing with the Reapers and they're also dealing with a crazy herd that's coming after them because, let's face it, it's The Walking Dead. Uh-huh. Well, they get taken out by that cannon. Yeah. The Hawacha? Yeah, which watching the episode, I thought this was just something they jerry-rigged together. They MacGyvered together because it looked like one of those rocket launchers you see in, in, in war footage or on any war movies. That, But just they kind of like took the idea and just strapped fireworks to it. So I'm like, oh, this is just something they MacGyvered. No, looking it up, it's a legit fucking thing. Uh, so looking at the Wikipedia article, it says, quote, uh, the Hawacha was a multiple rocket launcher and an organ gun of similar design, which were developed in 15th century Korea. What the fuck? This is a real thing? I thought, that, like I said, I thought they just MacGyvered this damn thing. I mean, sometimes the Walking Dead comes up with some crazy weapons out of the blue. This but, is true. But this is a legit weapon, and it definitely did some damage. Yeah, it did. And then we get back to the storyline at hand, and yeah. it's dealing with what's remaining of this this Reapers group. Yeah. And, and, and for me... After you had the walkers, mm-hmm. you know, Alpha's group, you really, like, where do you go from there? Yeah. Like, that's the problem with this. So this group, I, I figured, would have that one-and-done feel. And sure enough, they do. Because yeah. once they start, you know, trying to mess with Maggie, Maggie just loses her damn mind. Yeah. And instead of just saying, okay, we're all going to kind of end things, I don't want to say somewhat peacefully. No, she goes complete Frank Castle and goes headshot and everybody yeah i mean because there's a there's an awesome marvel uh netflix-esque fight scene in a hallway of like a hotel or something between uh carver daryl maggie and negan i want to say and and they're just for a minute i thought uh negan had lucille again because he had a baseball bat but i'm like oh wait there's no i'm not hearing metal so he it's not lucille you know they end up getting the upper hand. They capture this guy from the Reapers. They bring him out, you know, to try and negotiate, you know, or negotiate a trade. You know, there's a sniper on the roof that ends up almost, that almost ends up taking out the group. And, and 
you know, the chick, the, what I think is Leah was the chick's name. Go. Yeah, Leah's the the one lead there. Yeah, she she goes, hey, listen, you're not going to negotiate anything. Y'all are going to drop your guns and you're going to back away slowly and we're going to do, you know, do this. And things go south and Gabriel ends up showing up and he has taken out the sniper and he's got control of, you know, uh, the sniper he takes out the kneecap of the of the guy Daryl and company have, and they decide, oh, like, all right, hey, listen, we're gonna just go our separate ways, and and do whatever. This is when, uh, like you said, Maggie goes full Punisher, full Frank Castle, and just goes, you know what, fuck this. Walks over, shoots one guy in the head, takes him out, shoots another guy in like the back or the shoulder or something. He drops, takes another shot at Leah. Only now, mind you only wounds her in the shoulder mm-hmm. so she's not taken down she kind of stumbles away and daryl ends up talking to her without talking to her he just he just figures she's in the area but then maggie turns back around to the guy she didn't take out and executes him like he's on laying on the ground hands up looking at her she just points the gun at her and executes him right which i i know i've been critical about maggie in the beginning half of the season but it's like now i can kind of see where the progression is going yeah. So, like, I, I understand where she's going, and she's going complete Frank Castle about this. I'm not mad about this at this stage. It's, yeah. You know, like, for The Walking Dead, like you touched on, they had a great fight scene. Yeah. But I was, like, completely overshadowed because when Maggie gets done with that, she is, like, fuck this. Headshot and every Yeah, like, literally. But that's what we have to remember, too, with this show. Yeah. That for as over the top as you get with a zombie apocalypse show and to see where it's gone here. I mean, yeah. At least I haven't started screaming, it's all about family. <laughs> There are actions that these characters do that you're going, okay, I can understand this. Sure. I'm not saying I condone this. Sure. But I understand this. And especially now, they've been really trying to push Gabriel, played by Seth Gilliam, as like the next Daryl, so to speak, like the, the complete badass. Yeah. Because like all of a sudden, he has gone from being a character that's not really one for violence to like, yeah, now he's taking out snipers like precision he's, yeah he's taking out snipers there was a scene he had with one of the other priests that was there and like they're having a they walk in they point their guns at each other they put them down and have a heart to heart he ends up killing the other pastor priest or whatever and i'm like where did this come from yeah exactly so like i said with precision like expertise like he suddenly just developed this out of nowhere it's all of a sudden the terminator well you know you you have to figure in the zombie apocalypse you gotta pick it up and he's been somebody that I never thought was going to just because of how his right. character was. Right. But now he's kind of ascended into like that Daryl-esque type. Kind of, yeah. You know, to Daryl, which yeah. it, it's, it's a weird comparison, I know, but you have to have the muscle yeah. to the boss. I would say, yeah, Daryl filled the hole that Rick Grimes uh, left when he, when Andrew Lincoln left the show. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you need somebody to fill the, the shoes that Daryl Dixon was filling. And Gabriel would be fine if it felt like a natural progression to that point, but it's so abrupt and so quick that I don't know if I necessarily buy it. Right. That's the whole thing. So we'll have to kind of wait and see how this plays out. Yeah. However, though, the group was affected because it did lose somebody. Yeah. Alden. Yeah. Now, I guess for me, like, I just never really cared with this character. Like, yeah. It just when you're trying to in- introduce new characters to the show, and obviously there, it got to such a point with the with The Walking Dead, there's been so many to get yeah. fully invested with them. It, yeah. And just to keep track. Yeah, it, it's tough to really do unless it's like one of the original members or ones that have been a- along the ride for so long now. Yeah. When Alden, they discovered him dead and obviously zombified, it's one of those situations where I was like, okay, here we are again. Like, I, it didn't have that much of an impact as I saw, like, online. Like, people were, like, losing their minds. Yeah. And I'm like, are we watching the same show? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not hating on that because, like, some people are very, like, The Walking Dead is their show. And I respect that. I'm not going to hate on anybody about their fandoms. But for me, I was just like, okay, well, here we are. Yeah, I mean... It, it was one of those moments like Maggie had such a visceral and, and emotional reaction to it that I was like, oh, that sucks. Anyways, you know, and it, it was off screen. We didn't see how it happened, but uh, showrunner Angela Kang uh, did uh, dis- uh, describe what happened on uh, Talking Dead, saying, quote, I think the Reapers who have or who all have military training, special forces training, military contractor training, they know how to track people. Uh, they were on the trail of our folks, or they picked it up at some uh, picked it up at some point, and a guy was sent out to pick up the loose ends, and they found him. The two of them fought to the death. Close quote. 
Yeah, so which makes sense. I mean, it's a fair story, and like I say, I just didn't have that much of an emotional investment no, about it. So, no. like when he was killed, I was like, okay, next. Yeah, I, that, I was kind of the same way. I was like, oh, that sucks. Anyway, yeah, like that's that's kind of the weird yeah. reaction. Like and he it, wasn't around long enough for me to actually like, oh, that sucks. But yeah. like I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, and when I was watching the reactions online, like everyone was like, oh my god, I'm like, are we talking about the same person? But you know, hey, to each their own. So sure, obviously Maggie now has some motivation into her new stack quo. Yeah. You know, obviously losing one, you know, a member of the group, that's going to get her fired up. And then yeah. what really was interesting about this is kind of the fallout from this. Yeah. Because Negan, mm-hmm. played by the one only Jeffrey Dean Morgan, mm-hmm. is watching this all unfold. He, he's Yeah, he's seen everything going on. He's been there. Yeah. And he's like, all right, Maggie's losing her mind. She's killing everybody. She is like absolutely zero fucks given. Yeah. I am going to just kind of gracefully bow out. Yeah, like, I know, it, like, I can stick you around, but I know at some point you're going to do to me what you did to them, and I'm not going to be here for that. Yeah, which, hey, he's the smartest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. couple full paws here and there, but still, he is one of the <laughs> more level-headed people that sees the game at from a distance. Yeah. He knows if he sticks around, it's only a matter of time before Maggie starts shooting him yeah he he's no he's no idiot you know he he knows what will happen if they if things keep going he goes and he even says i'll i'll do this for you and we're even we're good i don't have to keep looking over my shoulder yeah so he's gone for now i mean obviously we will see him back at some point yeah and and it got the the whole conversation got interesting with him just because you know he was saying you were always going to do what you did maggie when it comes to me, promise or not, it's just a matter of time before you make the same call. I ain't going to give you the chance to do it. Yeah. And then he paused, and the camera cut to Maggie, who was bearing, who had just finished burying her friend, and her hands, or her one hand that is hidden from him, slowly goes to her, her waist pocket or waist or pocket or whatever it's, it is, and then you just see her grab hold of her gun. Yeah, and he's got his hand over the bat, and he's got his hand on the bat, and I'm like. Uh oh, are we about to come to blows here? I thought they were going to because I, at some point, I understand like comics are comics, but yeah. we we've kind of strayed enough away. Yeah. At some point before the show is all said and done, they have to have that final one off. Yeah, they you, have to. You would think so, you know. And and Jeffrey Dean Morgan did chime in on why he made the decision he did, saying, "Quote: I think he realizes that he uh, that he's not going to change her mind on how she feels about him, and that she's sort of lost it a little bit." I think Negan's always kind of prided himself on being in control of his emotions. Regardless of the horrible things that he's done, he's always had some sort of control, and he doesn't feel like Maggie's got a whole lot of control. She's very unpredictable. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's wrong. On, or, excuse me, right on that instance. I think he's spot on. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think the fact that he's been here this long. But he's somebody that likes to play the long game. And yeah. that's the one thing. Like you say, you can watch the game from a distance, and he, he understands where the time in the room is going. And obviously, with Maggie being so unhinged right now, and I mean, like I say, rightfully so. Yeah. At this stage, yeah. Now Everything she's gone through. Yeah, because now it's just it's weighing on her so much that she's almost kind of echoing when Carol snapped. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. I see a lot of similarities with that going on. So that's going to be the driving point of this next arc, which I think it is. Yeah, I understand why he's bowing out. No anger about that. But after this all is said and done. Alexandria is where everybody comes back, mm-hmm. which is somehow still standing. Hey, reasons. I mean, hey, exactly. I, at this stage, it's like, well, they've done literally everything to this yeah. area, yeah, and yet they're still there and yeah. they're still surviving. So, hey, good for them. But this is when the Commonwealth mm-hmm. is making their appearance. Yep. And what are they up to, Pat? Uh, so the group gets back. You know, everyone's happy to see each other. Maggie's uh, Maggie's son is happy to see her. You know, uh, what is it? Uh, Judith is happy to see Daryl. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful heart-to-heart moment of seeing each other. You know, but then uh, from the watch, uh, the, one of the watchtowers, somebody goes, hey, there's somebody coming up. There's somebody somebody approaching, you know, and, and Maggie, Daryl all run up there with their bows and arrows or whatever. And they go up there, and you see these folks coming up on horseback or and walking, mm. and they're wearing white armor, and it's the Commonwealth. And you know the the Commonwealth salt troopers uh, raise their guns and point it at, at, at our heroes, and you know our group 
brings their knife to a gunfight, you know, and points their bows and arrows at the guns. And that's when you see Eugene come around. Whoa, 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 whoa. They're with us. Everything's okay. Put your guns down. Put your guns down. You know, and, and then he goes, hey, I got somebody I want to introduce to you. And he explains, he explains kind of in a little brief. Uh, he explains sent- in Eugene style. In Eugene style, in like a sentence or two, what's been going on and where he's been. And he brings in uh, the uh, a president or whoever's in charge of the Commonwealth, Lance Hornsby. And it's such a difference in appearance. And, they, and the kudos to the crew for really doing this because there's a shot of our group in front of like a church or something and they're all dirty and the the clothes are tattered the hair's long it's not washed and obviously they just got back from a mission or whatever so from dealing with reapers dealing with reapers but it's but everything around them is kind of like falling apart it doesn't look real good and then you've got the the soldiers from the commonwealth and their bright white shiny armor that stuff still looks like stormtrooper oh i know i well i think deliberately so yeah you know you've got the the commonwealth soldiers who are bright white shining armor and then you've got you know lance hornsby in his clean cut nicely trimmed suit and he goes hey listen you know i got a proposal you uh, thank you for welcoming me into your home you, you guys got a great setup here i love what you're doing you know i got a proposal for you that i think you know it'll be mutually beneficial for us i think it'll work out great for everybody only if you're willing to do it i don't want to impose and then it cuts to black six months later you see maggie you know leading a community in the ruins either there in the hilltop and, you know, she's got it. And there's a Commonwealth soldiers roll up, you know, and she says, you don't have to do this. And then it kind of pans up to a Commonwealth soldier and he takes his helmet off and it's Daryl. And he says, no, I have to fade to black. End of the episode. He's not selling out. He's buying in. <laughs> that is going to be an interesting ploy. I uh-huh. and I know with next week's preview, they're they're showing Daryl is at the Commonwealth. Yeah, so that's where we're going to end up. I think by the end of this batch of episodes, but just how we're going to get there. Yes, but to see, you know, everybody's rebel yeah. buying in. He's yeah. selling out, folks. <laughs> oh, Twitter! How how you're going to be reacting to this is going to be fun. They're going to be torn. Yeah, they're going to be torn. But, I mean, overall, though, Pad, I thought this was a solid episode. Yeah. I thought they did enough to kind of progress the story a, a better. I mean, Maggie got a lot of screen time. And Lauren yeah. Cohen does a great job yeah. as, as Maggie. So, to, But to kind of see her echoing, like, Carol's breakdown, mm-hmm. I thought was kind of interesting about this. Yeah. And obviously, with Negan leaving, that is going to hurt them a little bit. Yeah. I think, because he's always, whenever he's in a scene, he's always stealing it. Like yeah, he's he's definitely an X factor that like when you need somebody to do the dirty job and get the deed done, he will do it for you. Yeah, and he definitely adds a different dynamic to that show, which now it's going to be up to the Commonwealth Board of Directors, like whatever you want to find him yeah. as, like the yeah. senator. Yeah, you know, I don't want to say the governor because, well, yeah, I don't think they'll acknowledge that on the show. No. I think that you're going to really need them to come off very dynamic and very charismatic as well, too. Not saying they can't, but I no, think yeah. the bar is set very high. Yeah. They have to deliver on it. I, I, think I'll, I think I'm going to like it if it comes off like a, everything seems really pristine and it seems really not, like like the armor and like the suit, you know, Lance Hornsby was wearing. If it comes off really pristine and really clean and all, you know what? It, almost the scenario of if it seems too good to be true, it is. And I think if it plays off like that, they're like, everyone starts buying in and going, oh, this is really great. I really like it here. And then the layers of the onion start getting peeled back and you realize just how fucking rotten it is on the inside. They're like, oh, this place actually blows. Well, that's the one thing about The Walking Dead is every time they think they've found a home and everything's going to be better. Yeah. It goes up in smoke. Yeah. But then again, if it was all perfect, we wouldn't have a show to talk about now, would we? This is true. So definitely, there's a lot to talk about this show. So you know the deal by now, ODPH Society, but if you're tuning in for the first time, this is how we do it. We say hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about The Walking Dead Season 11 mid-season return? Did you love the episode? Did you not? If you're not watching the show, why not? We can have that discussion. We'll keep it very civil. We don't you know, frown on anybody who stopped watching the show. There's a lot of people that have because it's been the same old same. But if you're still watching the show, let's talk about the fandom, shall we? lot to discuss on the break, so definitely hit us up, let us know, and we'll be right back. Has this ever happened to you? You're in bed, drifting off, and suddenly think, Who would win in a tug-of-war match between Superboy and Merlin? 
Did Marvel ever try to make a long-haul trucker into a superhero? How would it work out if I named my dog after a D-list supervillain? The answers in order are Merlin. Yes. And Amazing. I'm Jessica. And I'm Mike. And we host the podcast Ten Cent Takes, a show that looks at weird, silly, and cool moments from comics and how they're woven into the larger fabric of history. Moments like the time Superman shield for Radio Shack. When Archie got tempted by the devil. Oh, and then there was that time that DC Comics gave a superhero AIDS in an effort to be topical. It's always weird around here, but we'd like to think it's also interesting. So come with us and commit random acts of pop culture archaeology, one issue at a time. If you'd like to learn more, head over to TenCentTakes.com. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we have to recap. The latest episode, finally returning, of Superman and Lois Season 2. Mm-hmm. Now, the best show on the CW Network, yes, you heard that correctly, we yes. do not take that stance away for anything, Nope, has been a very, very interesting return on a lot of levels for Season 2. Yes. And obviously, they're doing a little jumping around about you know, the... Winter scheduling, so yeah. we, we've had a little gap time since the last episode. A couple of weeks. Right. But they have come back in such a strong way that they're catching people off guard, which is great. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad about this. Tyler Hoechlin and Elizabeth Hook have been crushing it, obviously, as Clark and Lois, and the kids have definitely had their storyline. But the fact that we have dived into the rogues gallery... And they pulled the ultimate swerve, and I don't think this is a spoiler at this point. No, it's been long enough. That they've went away from Doomsday, which everybody thought was coming. And and I think even one of the producers said yeah, they were leaked doing it. Yeah, it leaked it out to reveal it's bizarro. Yeah. Like, what a deep dive. What a great swerve. Love it. And now everybody's storylines are kind of picking up a little bit. And we had the return episode for season two this past week. We are going to be talking some spoilers about it as well, so you know the deal by now after that countdown. Here we go. So in three, two, one, pad. What did you think about Superman and Lois episode five of season two entitled Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon? I thought it was an all right episode. You know, it wasn't necessarily the most action-packed episode, but not every episode has to be. I still enjoyed it, though. They were really focusing on everybody else in town, mm-hmm. and I'm not mad about that. So I want to really stress that out because I know sometimes they focus a lot, and I mean a lot, on the romance between Sarah and Jordan. Yeah. And I think that that kind of gets, I don't want to say too much airtime, but I think it takes away from the other storylines going on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's nothing against the actors who are playing those characters. It's just when it's kind of feeling forced. Yeah. It's not connecting. I mean, it's obviously necessary since, you know, Jordan is super powered. He is, you know, the quote unquote heir apparent to the the legacy. Yeah. You know, don't necessarily have to do it like every other scene every week. Yeah. So it is very interesting about how they've been balancing it out now with this episode, especially because I felt they really tiptoed around to everybody. Yeah. It didn't feel like anybody was shorted time. No. And I think they really were moving some storylines. This was more of an emotional episode than the typical action ones that we'll see. Yeah. And I think that really helped for pushing the storyline forward. Because when you're dealing with Bizarro, we don't really know what's going on. This is true. I don't think anybody has. And I think that's something to say kudos to the writers because you're not giving everything away. Like if it was too telegraphed, we'd be sitting there really complaining about it. But with Bizarro, they have only started scratching that surface. Uh Uh-huh. But they have so many other storylines going on, it's really stepping up and really kind of throwing curveballs. And that's one thing I really love about this. Yeah. Because where we jump in is more focused on Lois's storyline mm-hmm. and how crazy the whole cult thing is going on right now. Just weird. It's weird, but it works. Oh, yeah. And, and, yeah. That, and that's the one thing, because they kind of dive into the whole... Uh, you know, Allie's storyline, who is the one that was affecting mm-hmm. Lois' sister Lucy yep. and how crazy that was getting. Yep. Raya Kilstead, 
and I hope I pronounced the name right, uh, has been playing a very intriguing cult leader here. Uh, yeah, I'm getting real like skin crawling vibes from her. Yeah, she she's been doing like she's some fantastic real stuff. real good work. Yeah, and like I, they kind of dipped into like her the the child history of her character a little yeah. bit to kick off the show. Yeah, and it still was like very weird. And now you're seeing that Lois's friend is now involved, Chrissy. Yeah, great. yeah, she's like interviewing, you know, the cult leader, and she's like, "Oh, I just want the truth to get out there," and, and the leader's going along with it. And I'm like, "Do you not realize the bullshit she is spinning you?" Yes, exactly. So Chrissy, who's played by Sophie Hamsick, uh, she's really getting some screen time too, which I do like. I yeah. think they're really trying to push her to be like not so much Lois 2.0, right? But they're really giving her own character a nice little balance. Yeah, which I I think that now this episode really kind of demonstrated it too because. Where they were going the last time we saw her, she went to one of the alley's meetings and was kind of starting to quote unquote drink the Kool Aid a little bit. Well, she went in. She went into the meeting because she and Lois were working together on the news story, mm-hmm. you know. And and she, Lois sent her in there because she's like, "Listen, my sister's involved with the cult. If I go in there, I'm going to get picked out like a sore thumb." Yeah. So you need to go in there because nobody knows who you are. And then you get the whole sequence in the hotel room with the camera and the revealed message. And then she starts drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Or so at least it appears. It appears. So this time when they have another run in too, they're all kind of starting to speculate that there's some kind of connection going on with Bizarro. Mm-hmm. And nobody can kind of figure this out. There's a mysterious pendant that was picked up Yeah, when the uh, League of Extraordinary Supermen or whatever you wanted to find <laughs> that, that group had... Uh, got absolutely decimated by a Bizarro. Yeah, one of them's still in the hospital, I think. Yeah, and the pendant was picked up and brought back to the DO, DOD. Yep. And this is one of those situations where something is going to tie everything together. And, and like, we, in the worst way possible. Yeah, because I don't understand where they're going with Allie and her character just yet. But when you're seeing Chrissy came to confront her, yep. well, we find out Allie does cult things. Yeah. Drugged her. Drugged her. Uh, yeah, like I'm like, what? What did you think was going to happen? This is just desserts, right? But you know, she's trying to be the investigative reporter and really trying to find the answers for herself. Because at this stage, too, she's not on the same page with Lois. Oh, I agree. Yeah. So you know, you're going to kind of take those risks, and it's not the smart thing to do. But you know, with no risk, there's no reward. You know, this so is true. You, you have to kind of think in that kind of perspective. But then they have that pendant around her, and then she starts tripping out and seeing like she went to the quote unquote other side. Yeah. Which it was like, okay, well, I don't know what the hell is going on here. And they but. were getting worried about it because the dude, the this henchman, sidekick, whatever, that was in the hotel room who caught her was getting concerned that, like, maybe I should go get, like, he was wanting to go get something to, like, revive her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was something, like, they were like, okay, we this, we're, we're getting concerned here. This went way too far. And then Superman has to come in and really, he's, he's picking up something that's going on, too, as well. So he crashes through the building, and sure enough, he's stopping Bizarro from killing Allie at the last second. That was an awesome shot. Yeah, it was. The camera work on that cinematography, oh, spot on. Because they're all in the hotel room. Why Superman here? You know, he's here for, for Allie. And then he hears Bizarro coming. And then just with the super speed, turns slow motion. You see him slow motion fly out of the hotel room. But in real speed, the hole gets broken. And then you just see everyone standing there with an, oh, my God, what the fuck? Yeah. So it is a very weird, like, it's a great scene. Yeah. But even the setup, too, because before that, Lois is now putting the pieces together, like Bizarro and Allie in town. Yeah. Something is going on. Yeah. And she is following Dr. Faulkner. And, well, things happen. Yeah. Because as she goes in to check on the doctor, uh, one of the more wilder scenes, I I will legit say, I was not expecting to see that on the screen. Yeah. Uh, What happens to Dr. Faulkner? She's dead. Mm Mm-hmm. And the head is, like, completely snapped around. Yeah, it's done a full 180, if not a 360. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, that thing, that was like, I sat there watching, I'm going. Mind you, this is still after 8 o'clock Eastern, you know, so this this is still in that time frame of, like, you got to watch what you're doing because the kids are still awake. Exactly. I'm literally sitting there going, like, they aired this scene out here. Uh Uh-huh. 
And, I, it, and it wasn't like a blink and you miss it. Like you could, they didn't now they didn't dwell on it and they didn't sit there and zoom in and go, Oh my God, look at what they did. You know, but it's still there long enough that you could tell. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, her head's uh, facing the complete opposite direction. And yeah. they went back to it. So it was like, it wasn't yeah. like a, a mess up. They're like, no, we want to say like bizarro twisted her head. 360. We're leaving or 180. Rather. We're leaving no room for you to doubt whether she's dead or not. She's dead. Yeah. She's dead. She's dead. Dead. She gone. <laughs> so, when Lois is figuring this out, she's like, okay, uh, he just killed her. And like, and she's seeing him for the first time, too. And then he takes off. Everybody's trying to figure out, okay, what is going on with this guy? And obviously, you know, nobody has any idea what's going on there mm-hmm. as well, too. But when this fight is going on, too, Superman actually defeats him for yeah. once. Which that's, I think that's something we have to take note of. Because since they've been fighting... Bizarro has had the upper hand on him the entire Right, and, and I love the fight sequence between the two of them, you know, because they're fighting. And that, to this point, it's just been flight and fisticuffs. Mm-hmm. But then the powers start getting involved. Yeah. You know, and, and Bizarro goes to blow, use his super breath at him, and instead of it being ice breath, it's heat breath. And I go, what the fuck? Yeah. And super even Superman's confused, and I'm like, what the hell? And so Superman gets out of that. And then uh, Bizarro uses his ice vision because he's the opposite of Superman. So I'm like, bravo. I don't know if they've ever done a take like this. No, they haven't. I was in there marking out. I'm like, okay, we're getting this guy a little crazier. I'm okay with this. Because for Bizarro, too, he's always been, you know, a throwaway villain to, sure. to, to some degree. Like, comic fans know who he is. And obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's been a little pop culture here and there with him, and nothing to this level. So the fact they're really kind of fleshing the character out, I think, is really cool. Oh, it's brilliant. And then when you have Superman take him to the fortress and imprison him and talk to his mom there. Even his mom is like, what the fuck is yeah, this? Like, what the hell is going on here? And they finally make a way to talk. And Bizarro did not do the typical Bizarro voice yet. Thank you. I, I, I'm waiting on that. I need to have that at least once. I, I'm all right if they don't. No, I, just, I need it once. I just, like, like, I just heard enough of that with, with Superman the Animated Series and him going, me am Superman. Yeah, like, I, I need that just once, if, if not longer. I'm sorry. I'm, like, I'm a fan of that. But he's explaining, like, I'm coming to save my planet and yours. Uh-huh. And, like, that's how that ends for him, that episode, which I thought was, like, okay. Yeah. Interesting that we're not going to just unveil everything. Yeah, well, he even tells you how he's going to do it. He goes... You know, I have to stop Allie because she'll destroy everything I love, everything you love, and we have to stop her. Yeah, so that's kind of a odd way to set it up. So, I but I'm like it. Like I like Based everything. Based off of some rumors and speculation I've been hearing about Allie, would make sense. Yeah, I would say so too. Mm-hmm. I you know because specifically who she's playing. Would make sense. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you on that. Like I'm just saying, like this guy got a while before it's all said and done, and I'm here for this. Mm-hmm. And then for everybody else in town, obviously, you know, if you listen to the show for a long time, I am a big fan of Jonathan Kent. Yes, I think Jordan Elsass is doing some fantastic work on the show. Yes, and now that he has got, I'm going to just say this right now. I he's think doing he's doing drugs. No, he's got venom. Like he's got that Bane stuff going through kind, him, kinda. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say before it's all said and done, it's gonna be Venom, and like the internet, you're gonna break, and you can thank me later for breaking that. Now, he is like fully entrenched in this stuff. Yeah, and then he is like, well, I'm gonna take it, and then I want to challenge my brother to a fight because now General Lane is right. training and he and, and Jonathan finds out about this and is like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, first of all, I have to applaud that they're doing Kent fight club. Yeah. Cause the are. first rule about fight club is don't tell mom and dad. Although I got to admit, having watched the season finale of peacemaker the week prior and with that and kind of in the back of my mind, I was having peacemaker vibes of like, Oh shit, don't let this go South, please. I, well, I was kind of waiting on it too. Cause when you see, I know when you see them going and Jordan is not, being able to hit Jonathan, like he's yeah. moving like the Matrix. Yeah, Jordan at first is holding back, and then he realizes just what he's up against. And I'm like, and and at first it's easy to kind of shrug it off, like, oh, Jordan's a natural. Jordan's an a- or Jonathan's an athlete. You know, he's a quarterback. Of course, he's got some natural gifted, you know, you know, abilities, which is probably what Jordan's thinking. And then he realizes, all right, there's something a little more going on to this. Yeah. So this was a very cool sequence, and I'm here for it. Yeah. Like Jordan just uh, is completely dumbfounded, like what's going on. Everybody else is, and then finally, like, Jonathan kind of covers up. He's like, well, yeah, I think I got powers. Um, well, because he freaks out in the one scene where they're talking later in the episode, and he actually starts, like, he vision almost comes out of his eyes. Yeah. 
So it was a very cool sequence to see. So like I, I'm kind of curious, but my guess is he's got venom in him, and I, I'm almost wondering too. And I don't know if this has been done in the comics, mm-hmm. but has a Kryptonian ever taken venom? Not that I know of. See, I don't know. Like I'm gonna have to have somebody hit us up in the hashtag ODPH pod and explain that because I'm wondering. I mean, obviously, Jonathan has Kryptonian DNA in him. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's some kind of chemical reaction with that. Could be. I, I, I legit don't know, so I'm very interested to kind of dig about this. But the episode is then takes a big swing towards Lana's political career. Yeah. And then it also does focus on Sarah's Kinsera? Quinceanera. Thank you. Yeah. Um, She's turning 16. Yes. So they're having a big party for her yep. at the Kent farm. Yep. And... The storyline that has been going on with Kyle, and I have to really applaud this as well. They have now unveiled that he has been ha- he had an affair on Lana uh-huh. with that, uh, with a bartender with the bartender. Uh, so that's why he was always going to the bar. It was partially to get drunk, but also partially because you know some freaky stuff going on the side. Yeah, and now his political opponent uh, or Lana's political opponent is now kind of you can see. Yeah, he he basically it was a couple episodes ago when they ran into the guy after they went out to dinner the one night. It was just the two of them, and I forget exactly what he said, but he's he basically dropped that he knew or no, it was I know you like your drinks dirty mm-hmm. or something or something to that effect, and he knew what he was talking about, so he was like, hey, listen, we got to cut this off, you know, bad shit's gonna happen, and now here we are. Yeah, because during the. Quinceanera? Quinceanera, yeah. Okay, good. I want to make sure. I'm, I apologize for for not catching that word right. Um, the affair is exposed. Yeah, because the, the bartender comes to find him. Yes. Because she's been trying. Like, I think at one point, even earlier in the episode, when they were having breakfast or dinner or something, his phone rings. And, oh, who's that? Oh, it's just work. You know, I'll, I'll deal with it later. But it's her. Yeah. He's he's ducking and dodging her. She shows up outside of the quinceanera, and he goes, hey, listen, we can't talk like this, blah, blah, blah. And she basically goes, no, listen, you know, I. she even goes as far to say, we knew they were in love together and they were having sex on the side, but he was ready to leave Lana for her. Yeah. And then because of whatever happened, he broke it off. She was brokenhearted. She talked to her girlfriend, and then the girlfriend threatened to leak the affair to Lois's political opponent, Dean. So it got all sorts of awkward, but then it got even a little more awkward. Yeah, because Sarah and Jordan... Hear the whole damn thing. Hear everything. Hey, and yikes. Then, and then they try going back to do the father-daughter son, father daughter dance, and, yeah. and then that's not happening. She just can't do it. Runs yep. out of the whole room, Lana and... And and he, and uh, he go out there and go. Well, what's wrong? What's wrong? No, I no nothing's wrong. We just gotta talk. No, tell her what you did, or or I will. And then it gets all sorts of awkward. Yeah, then everything goes south after that. Yeah, but then Lana tries smoothing everything over with the crowd that's there for. She covers nicely. Yeah, so she definitely is trying to do what she can do, but the damage is already done. Yeah, and then the episode just kind of wraps up very quietly after that. Yeah. It really hit on a lot of points. So, Pat, I mean, final thoughts and reaction to the Good episode. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it and interested to see where things go from here. Yeah, I thought this episode really gave a lot of spotlight time to everybody. And I thought that what they were kind of doing with Lois, obviously getting a little more time putting the pieces together about what's going on between Allie and Bizarro and how Chrissy's kind of playing into this as well, too. I mean, they obviously kind of made up and they're kind of now focused on the same goal, which is like we need to expose what's going on with Allie because this is absolutely crazy. And then with the Kinsiera, Kyle's storyline is finally picking up. And you, we've talked about this before. Anytime you talk politics, yeah, it's the dirtiest game in the world. Uh-huh. So the fact that Lois and Clark is trying to take a stab at this, too, even small town Smallville, no yeah. pun intended, yeah. is now getting affected by this. And yeah. like I say, Eric Valdez is really doing some great work with this character. Because, I mean, before he was just supposed to be... You know the Flash Thompson esque bully yeah. to Clark Kent, and yeah. and now they're actually kind of try making him, you know, uh, a, a sympathetic character almost. Like, almost, you know, yeah. And like I say, it, it's kind of working, but he's really sunk his teeth into this role, and really kind of saying, okay, well, if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this really well. And I do like how they're playing it off with Lana. Too. Oh, I do too. Like I said, this is one of the more interesting storylines that's going to happen. I think everything is going to be fine at the end of the day. But in the meantime, this could get very, very interesting too as well. And then they did mention in the preview for next week, 
Oh, that's really bizarre. Oh. Mm-hmm. I like how they're doing this. They're kind of teasing a lot going yeah. on, too. It's a slow burn, and I dig it. Yeah, exactly. But this is one thing this show does. For anybody that's been disenfranchised with Superman for the Snyderverse or whatever the reason is, I strongly recommend you check this show out. It definitely captures everything you love about Superman. Oh, hell yeah. And just you get the character now. Like I say, I wish that they were doing a lot more of this you know, previously in media, but sure. now we're on point with it. And I think that now it's really demonstrating too as well. And then we have got some great directors coming on, Pat. You were telling me before we close this out? Yeah, so I was looking at the Wikipedia just for kind of some information and just some knowledge. And then come to find out, the listed uh, directors for the next two episodes are one, Amy Joe Johnson. Yes. Who you might know from uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and various Power Rangers iterations. She was a Pink Ranger. Mm-hmm. And then the week after, uh, so that the next episode is March 1st. The episode on March 8th is directed by the one and only Elizabeth Henstridge. Simmons from Agents of Shield. Yes, yeah, so we're getting Power Rangers and Agents and Agent of Shield direct in the next couple episodes. Let's go! Love I'm it. Super excited about this show. But we've given you our takes. Everybody thought on the panel here that it was a great episode. Very excited to see where this is going. But now we want to hear yours, ODPH Society. So hit us up on the hashtag hashtag ODPHPod. Superman and Lois has returned to the CW. What did you think of the episode? And what do you think of the show so far? We definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Chris from the Geek P Podcast here with my two co-hosts, Trent. What up? And Brandon. Yo, yo. Here at the Geek Peak, we strive to provide you the best content from all across the pop culture multiverse. Think of us as your content concierge, seeking out all the best movies, TV, games, and music to save your valuable time. We have a different adult beverage every week, and we like to keep things light and fresh, so come hang out with us. So check us out on all your favorite podcasting platforms. That's Geek Peak. Like a mountain! And check out our site at geekpeakpod.com. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got for those one-shots? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, first of which is my kind of early spoiler-free spoiler review for Uncharted. Ah, yes. Yes, the Sony Pictures film starring Tom Holland and uh, Mark Wahlberg, which debuted over the weekend, uh, taking an, an, uh, $51.3 million in the four-day uh, weekend because it was President's Day weekend here in the United States, uh, making it the number one film at the box office, beating out uh, Dog, which was also in its first weekend. Uh, that made $17.3 million over the weekend. And then Spider-Man No Way Home still hanging in tough there. So number three uh, at the weekend. Also number three all-time uh, grossing film in the uh, domestically. Absolutely crazy, man. But, but yeah, uh, saw Uncharted over the weekend. Like I mentioned, $51.3 million domestically. Internationally, it has made $88 million for a worldwide gross of $139.3 million. Uh, so definitely a great opening for them. And you know what? It's a... I was nervous about it because it's a video game franchise I've played since the very first one out came out on PlayStation 3 in 2007. You know, you've got Uncharted, Uncharted 2, uh, Among Thieves, you know, Uncharted 3, uh, Drake's Deception is what I believe it's called, uh, Uncharted 4. You've got, there was one for PlayStation Vita, which I never played because I never owned a PlayStation Vita. And then you've got Uncharted 4, A Thief's End, and then you've got Uncharted Lost Legacy on PlayStation 4. Okay. So I've, there's seven games. I've played six of them. They are games that I've said from the very start that, like, these would make great movies mm. because it's kind of like a new age Indiana Jones film. You know, it's it's got the guy with his sidekick. It's got the love interest that piles around for it. It's looking for much in, like, the first Indiana Jones movie, they're looking for the, the uh, Ark of the Covenant. You know, the first game, they're looking for El Dorado. Mm-hmm. You know, the second uh, game, they're looking for uh, the tree. They end up looking for the tree of life, Shambhala. You know, the, it's always some sort of wild and crazy thing. You know, and I just said, you know what? These make a really good movie. And then they announced the movie and it was in development hell for God knows how long. Yeah. You know, to, but then we finally got to see the movie. And I will say the movie's good. It's not the greatest movie you'll see of all time. Sure. But for a video game movie, it's very solid. And it's a video game movie that you don't need to have played the games to enjoy. Okay. There's moments in the movie that are obvious homages and obvious payments to the video games. That, like if you play the games, you go, oh, hey, they're doing the thing. You know, oh, it's familiar. You know, with Tom Holland, if you watch the movie and you, you know, he says crap a lot. You know, like crap, crap, crap. 
but that's from the games. It's something that the character says whenever he goes to leap for a ledge and the and the ledge breaks or the wood breaks or the bridge he's running on breaks. He just goes crap, crap, crap. You know, there's little moments like that. And and I was a little skeptical about Mark Wahlberg playing Victor Sullivan because if you Google Victor Sullivan, the video game character. They look nothing alike. Mm. Um, but the way they've written him and some of his dialogue feels like it's straight out of the video game. The story for the movie feels straight out of the video game. Action sequences are awesome. The special effects are absolutely insane. I don't want to spoil that, but there's one there's one action sequence that requires a bit of uh, special effects, and it's fucking bananas that they pulled it off. Okay. You know... They use, I don't want to spoil it, but they use the theme from the video game, which I was a little nervous. I was like, oh, the theme's not in the tr- in the album. The theme's in the movie. There's a, And once you see it, you go, ah, that's why they waited till that moment. It's a fantastic movie. Uh, there's two bonus scenes that set up for a sequel. And one of uh, that second bonus scene, if you've played the first game, uh, pay attention. You might know where they're going with the sequel. Okay. Just saying, but it, it highly worth the watch. Uh, my only gripe is that there were certain points where there were plot twists that felt a little predictable. Mm-hmm. You know, and you've got uh, Tom Holland is in it, as I mentioned. Mark Wahlberg's in it. Antonio Banderas uh, plays the villain Santiago Moncada. Sophia Ali is in it as Chloe Frazier. Uh, you've also got Tati Gabrielle as Braddock. You know, it's a great movie. You know, Stephen Waddington is great as the Scotsman. He's the guy, if you've seen the trailer, where he goes, oh, I'm about to give you a pulp. Scot- okay. Scottish welcome. He's, yeah, yeah. He's great as the henchman throughout the movie. It, like I said, it's a good movie, and I it, I highly recommend it. You don't, like I said, you don't necessarily have to be a fan of the video game franchise to enjoy it. It's for everybody. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've been meaning to try checking that out. I just This weekend, it's just been, yeah, yeah not happening. Yeah. Uh, switching over to some video game news. Uh, we got a uh, report coming that 2023 uh, Call of Duty might be delayed to 2024, which would be absolutely bonkers. So we've still got a Call of Duty coming out for this year, mm. uh, obviously. But Call of Duty is one of those games that it's, it's like death and taxes. It is inevitable. Right. You know, there's always one out. And there has been a Call of Duty released every year since Call of Duty 2 in 2005. Mm-hmm. So five, 2005, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, all the way up to 2021 because, hey, the one this year hasn't come out yet. But the according to a report uh, from Bloomberg, uh, Activision, the Bloomberg is reporting that Activision Blizzard will delay 2023's Call of Duty in hopes of further polishing the game, seeing as Microsoft has announced its intention to continue developing Activision franchises for competing uh, console platforms. That could mean we uh, mean we'll see this new Call of Duty launch for Xbox Series S and X, uh, PlayStation 5, and, and PC. The report also says uh, that Activision Blizzard is pushing this new Call of Duty's release following a recent game failing to meet expectations. No exact game is listed, but both Vanguard and Warzone underperformed in 2021 in comparison to Black Ops Cold War and Warzone in 2020, so it's likely a reference to one of these. Now, there was a statement put out from an Activision spokesperson saying, quote, We have an exciting slate of premium and free-to-play Call of Duty experiences for this year, next year, and beyond. Reports of any, anything otherwise are incorrect. We look forward to sharing more details when the time is right. Close quote. So it's not a denial. And yeah. You, and you're not saying the one next year got delayed, but you're saying, hey, we got stuff coming. I'm not saying, but I'm saying. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll stay tuned. Uh, also in video game news, one of my uh, most anticipated games of the year came out uh, last week, and that is Horizon Forbidden West. Okay. This is the sequel to the first game, Horizon Zero Dawn, which is the best game I've played of all time. Like, hands down, I listen, I, Kingdom Hearts is my favorite series. Mm-hmm. Horizon Forbidden Dawn, or Horizon Zero Dawn, is the best game I've ever played, hands down. Wow. Unique gameplay. It is the first game that made me want to go through, get all the collectibles that told the backstory and then proceed to read said backstory Mm -hmm. and all the little text explanations of what happened. So this is a sequel, uh, takes place maybe a couple months after the, after the last first one, they don't really say, uh, but it picks off where things left off. A lot of great innovation with the game. I love what they've done, you know, introducing multiple skill trees. So there's one for warrior, which is good for your hand, your melee. There's uh, one for your, you know, bows and arrows. So if you're like your ranged attack, there's one for, they've introduced some more traps in the game that you can use against the enemy. So there's a skill tree for traps to make them more explosive, wider range, more effective. You know, there's one for controlling the machines. There's one for, you know, uh, like potions 
potions and, and healing and abilities and stuff like that. So they've done a lot of great stuff with the game. It's a lot of fun. It, it's taken, it, it hasn't changed all that much from the first game that made it fun. Mm-hmm. It's kind of taken that and built upon it. So it's a great game and I highly recommend you pick it up. It's currently out for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Mm, so I won't be able to do that. Nope. Uh, unless you get a PC because it probably will come out on PC sooner rather than later. Hmm. Yeah, it's a great hmm. game, though. Yeah, I definitely want to try checking that out. Uh, also, got to switch to some movie news. It was announced by the folks over at Marvel and Sony Pictures with a fantastic photo. Uh, yeah. that, that's uh, about cap- damn time. Caption read, of course we got the meme. Hashtag Spider-Man No Way Home swings home on digital March 22nd and on 4K uh, UHD and Blu-ray on April 12th. Pre-order now with a link. And it is a photo of Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, all in their respective Spider-Man suits, pointing at them, doing that infamous, infamous meme. Uh, so the movie's coming out soon. Going to be a bevy of special uh, special features on it that I am super excited for. God, is it April already because I want this movie. Yeah, I was going to say, when this hit, hits your Blu-rays and such, this is going to be like the most sought-after movie in uh-huh. recent memory. I'm, I'm probably, because I know I'm going to want the Steelbook from Best Buy, I'm probably going to end up ordering it online. Just, oh, I would imagine. because Just because I know I'm not going to be able to get it day of. And wait, it's just going to be easier. you got to remember, though, when a movie like this, this took over. Mm-hmm. You know, this was the first like time it really felt like blockbusters were back in the movie theaters, in my opinion. Yeah. So obviously, this is going to be one of the most sought after items when it gets released. So I completely understand that. Yeah. Also, in some very funny Spider-Man news, uh, Tom Holland did an interview uh, where he revealed that one of the Spider-Man's derriers, posteriors, uh, was fake. Oh, really? Yeah, so uh, this is he's already doing like I said, doing well with the Uncharted movies. Uh, but he did an inter- he was on a visit to Late Night with Seth Meyers. Uh, he revealed that there's one spoiler that he didn't do, and that one of the Spider-Man rocks a fake button. No way home. Uh, he, he wouldn't say who, but hey, either he, Andrew Garfield, or Tobey Maguire had a fake ass in that movie. Uh, decide for who you will. Uh, I'm guessing Tobey Maguire. I, I'm gonna go with Tom Holland. Mm, I don't know Tom Holland. Tom Tom's in his twenties. It's real easy for him to get back in shape. Toby's in like his mid to late forties. But I think Toby would understand about getting in the shape for this role. Oh, I can't. So I can I'm gonna say Tom because yeah. well, Tom likes to blab about stuff like that. So <laughs> this is very true. So I'll, I'll say that's my pick. Uh, and then sticking with some streaming news and Marvel news, uh, the Netflix Marvel shows are going to be coming to Disney Plus in Canada, Ooh. which may also lead to some other spaces. Fingers crossed. Yeah. So, uh, and according to Mobile Syrup, it was noticed uh, that in a, in a, that the Marvel Netflix shows are going to be coming to Disney Plus in Canada in uh, this coming March. No word yet if they're going to be coming to Disney Plus here in the States or other places around the world. But definitely, hey, it's some movement. It's some interesting stuff. Uh, of course, as we record, we are five days away from them. Or no, sorry, six days because it's the last day you can watch them is the 28th. Uh, after the 28th of February, which is this coming Monday, uh, you will not be able to watch those shows on Netflix. So they'll be in the ether unless you own one of the DVDs or Blu-rays. Right. But presumably, they'll end up on Disney Plus here in the States at some point uh, sooner rather than later. Just got to work out the legalese. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. I mean, yeah. time will heal all wounds, and so will a big paycheck. This is true. So you got to kind of have to remember about that. Uh-huh. All right, so for my one-shots, listen, I have got a stacked lineup of comics you need to go check out this week. So kicking off my list of books is Berserker by okay. Boom Studios. This is the book Keanu Reeves is a co-author of with Matt Kent. Ron Garney's doing the artwork. Listen, this whole saga has just been absolutely one wild roller coaster. Doing a little kind of development, not going to go into spoiler uh, territory here, but you get a lot of background on one character, and it kind of things are starting to get pieced together. Okay. Because I, 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 I'm trying to really f- say how this is without spoiling anything. Okay. But I will say, with the background, I think we're now starting to get to the end of the series. And I think that now we're heading towards that final act. Like, I, the issues, I, I was going to end around issue 12, I believe. Okay. So, that being said, they've got some ground to make up. They're already starting to do that, unless they really want to throw some kind of crazy curveball in that mix. Not to say they couldn't, but just going to put that out there. So, that's obviously hitting the studios, this, or in the shops this week's studios, geez. Well, it could be hitting the studios here. Well, I'm currently looking at it right now, so that would do it. Also hitting shelves at your local comic shops this week, House of Slaughter number 5. Uh-oh. The spinoff book from Something is Killing the Children by Boom Studios has been so damn good. 
And this is the end of the first story arc with the book. Definitely ends everything involving Aaron Slaughter on a very solid note. You're going to be happy. If you've been checking this book out since the jump, you're going to be very, very satisfied. If you're just jumping in late, I highly recommend going and catching up on everything with this because you will feel the emotional impact with this. Mm -hmm. They have done such a fantastic job with this book, James Tynan and Company. It is going to be something that we're going to be talking about for a while. And then when they get to the next arc, and I'm not spoiling anything about that as well, too, but I can't wait to check that out as well. But fitting end to the story that they've been going on there as well. Also, Power Rangers Universe number three. Okay. So there's a little more background about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers mythos with one of its uh, more forgotten characters. Solid book, and you know they're still doing some storyline building. It's a six-issue limited series, so number three is out of the shelves. Definitely go check that out if you're a Power Rangers fan. You know Tom Craven from that hashtag show and Off the Cuff Gaming is going to have a lot to say about that as well. On the Valiant side of things, you know it's my favorite book that they're currently putting out right now, even though Shadow Man is right up there with it. Last issue was so damn good. But we're talking the Harbinger pad. Uh-oh. So Colin Kelly, Jackson, Jackson Lansing, and Robbie Rodriguez are doing something really special with this book. If you're an old-school Valiant fan... You can definitely appreciate what they're doing with Peter Stanchik. Uh, with a movie coming out, and obviously we talked about it last week, they have a director tagged, Wes Ball, who okay. you know from The Maze Runner. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Things are moving fast with this franchise. So I'm saying this right now. Get on board. I don't know if they're going to do this interpretation of the character or our previous one. Either way, you definitely want to go check this book out because they have a lot going on with this. A fan favorite returns. They do some really cool storytelling going on with this because, like I say, I have never really been the like the big Harbinger is my book, you know, right. until this series came out. And I love what they're doing with the character. They've really added a lot of different takes for him. So I'm excited about this book. Uh, I, like I said, we have all these blog reviews currently up on odphpodcast.com at Parlay Point, so you can go check them out. I do a little more deep dive, and I'm not spoiling anything because I want you to go check out the books. But the promotional art looks Absolutely amazing. But capping off my list to go get this week, I'm holding it in hand. We've been tweeting about this. We've been talking about this. Yes. Supermassive has finally hit shelves. This is the big book with Kyle Higgins, Ryan Parrott, and Matt Groom all bringing their characters together of Radiant Black, Rogue Sun, and Inferno Girl Red. The book is worth the hype, folks. They delivered on making this a very accessible book for new readers. So if you're not familiar with everybody, like they touched upon when they came on the ODPH to talk about this a couple weeks ago, it delivers on it. And where they're going in this massive universe, is, I believe is the official term for it, the massive verse, mm -hmm. they've got a lot of stuff coming out. It's definitely a time that you want to get on board if you haven't already, because Radiant Black is so damn good. It's one of Pat's favorite books. Yeah, it is. You definitely want to get on board with what they're doing. Rogue Sun is coming out next week. Uh, we are trying to talk to Ryan about coming back on the show. He's uh, a busy dude. He's a very busy dude, so uh, we don't have a timetable for that. I know that he's been putting out some tweets about it, so we are trying to play a little uh, Twitter tag, if you will. So stay tuned to ODPH social media, and we'll definitely let you know when he's going to be swinging through. Uh, hopefully you can pull that off, because I'm really excited to talk about Rogue Sun, especially after reading Supermassive. Can't stress this enough. If you're going to your comic shops this week, that's the book I would recommend to go get, along with the others we mentioned. So, as always, go support your local comic shops and go support your comic podcasts. Because we're trying to do that work to definitely keep the medium going and definitely get you excited about some characters that you need to get familiar with each and every week. So, that being said, Pat, you know who's also in the comics? Uh, Brian Wolf. Well, I don't think he is, but actually it's shot at the robots. Oh. They are super big into comic books. I know that for a fact. Julian is one of the biggest comic fans I know. But, Pat, if I want to go find out about Shout, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over to the music section. Check out everything going on with Shout. Everything going on with Brian Wolf. Brian might be into comics. I don't know. We've never had that conversation about it. So I'm going to lean no, but it doesn't mean he's a bad person by any means. Tyler from Second Suitor is into comics, so you should definitely check out Second Suitor. Tom Sholo, Yard Party, Floodlands. All those groups, you definitely want to go support. We have their links to go do that. Also, on the website, you can definitely check out the Classifieds, which has organizational link support and Black Lives Matter. All the amazing pod groups we're in via their pod chaser pages. Friends of the show, such as 8122 Productions, doing a lot of big things over there. We also have a link to the T Public store. Sale going on. There is no excuse, is there, Pat? No. 
You need to get some ODPH swag in your life. And a lot of people took advantage of the sale last time. And we can't say thank you enough for doing it. Because trust me, when they're doing these sales, I'm telling everybody, this is the time to go get some stuff. You want to get a Parlay Club shirt. You want to get the Pads Dealing shirt. You want to get some stickers. You want to get some mugs. This is the time to do it. So this is where you really need to step up and make sure that happens. So take full advantage of it. The link's right on the homepage. You can check out the directory, which how many providers are we on now, Pat? Uh, 18,902. Right. We're growing every day, folks. So if you want to find the ODPH on your favorite podcast provider, that's where you go. Enough said. So much more is at the website. So just swing on over make a uh, point to go check out everything for yourself. ODPHpodcast.com. Because that's all we got for this week. So for the one only Pat one j Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. The evidence is